Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 94 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 16th of December 2012, entitled The Glorious Church of Jesus Christ, Part 26. And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you found your place in your Bibles in the book of Acts chapter 2, I invite you to stand with me as we read verses 41 through 47. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul and Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. All that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Father, we do thank you again today, Lord, for health, for strength, for this time that you have given us together. We pray now that as we take these next moments to look into your word, we pray, Lord, first of all and foremost, that you would take control by the power of your spirit through your word, Lord, that hearts will be spoken to here today. You know the need of each heart. Lord, we pray that you would take and speak the words that are most needed to each one. And Father, help us to Uh, to receive and respond to that which you have for us. And Father, we pray that in every word that is said and all that is done, that you would be glorified and honored in our midst. We will give you all the praise for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. In sermon number 94 in our series on contending for the faith, our 26th sermon on the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and our seventh on the operation of a New Testament church. We first defined the New Testament church, and then we looked at the design of that church, its organization, its officers, its ordinances, and now we're looking at the operation. We did look at the focus of that church, and of course that the focus in all of us is the glory of God. And, of course, we began to look at the functions of that church and the ministry of that church. We looked at the essential in worship, which is that verse that I have left printed in your bulletin for the last few weeks, John chapter 4, verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must, the Word of God says, must worship him in spirit and in truth. As we've begun looking at the, uh, I guess, the, uh, uh, the essential there, then we turned our attention to the elements of worship. What is it that makes up worship? It's easy to come together and do things, and of course, we have discussed in various ways that uh, unfortunately, too often, we think about our time coming together, about how we like it and how we feel about it, what it does for us. Uh, whether it's something that uh, uh, that we want or don't want, rather than our focus being totally and completely upon God and what He wants. And worship is about God, seeing Him in His awesomeness, just being in awe at who He is. In other words, that He is in our midst in such a way that He has all of our attention, all of our focus, all of our praise, all of our glory is upon Him. So the things that are part of our worship, sir, worship isn't the only thing that a church does, but it is the thing when usually the most of us are together for this matter of worship. As we began to, uh, uh, to look at worship, we looked, first of all, at singing. And singing is uh, a very controversial, a very divisive issue. Uh, churches that believe all the same things in doctrines, uh, they'll split and divide and fight with each other because they don't like the same kinds of musics. Not only that, Satan will use music because music is powerful. We've seen how music should be used in worshiping the Lord. 
But because it is so powerful, even within a single congregation, people will get bad attitudes and divisive and they just simply don't like, well, they don't think we should sing this one and this thinks we should sing more of this type and less of that type and we should use these instruments and not these instruments. And everybody feels very strongly about this thing of music. And of course, we looked at a number of things there in what we believe that uh, we should use as guidelines when it comes to the music that, uh, that we use to honor God. Uh, and remember that everything that we're doing, it's not how good it makes us feel. It's not a question of whether it's what we like. It's not even a question of whether it's going to get more of the world in here or not. It's what is going to glorify Him, what is going to honor Him, what is going to take us into His majestic presence and knowing that He is God in all of His awe and splendor and all that He is. So when we sing, there's a lot of things that we can sing that we can enjoy and we can like, but it may not necessarily be doing that for us in our worship. The second thing we looked at last week, of course, the second part of our worship, and we're just using our own. We said, okay, the Bible doesn't give us an order of service, but we have our own. But hopefully the one that we have that we follow is one that we can see and look into the Word of God and say, well, this is a part of our worship because of this, because of what it does for God in worshiping Him. We looked last week at this matter of prayer. We looked at all the different prayers that normally are a part of one of our worship services. The opening prayer, the offertory prayer, the intercessory prayer, the prayer of praise and thanksgiving for God's Word, the, uh, the prayer for those under the hearing of God's Word, and a closing prayer of benediction and asking God's blessing upon all those as we part company. There's usually a number of prayers in our services. We looked at the reason and the power and and I made it very simple and very clear that, uh, you know, probably uh, within our churches, one of the areas uh, that we certainly, we may be more divided over the music, but we probably fail more on the prayer than anything else. We looked at that one verse, uh, well, we looked at a number of verses, but we looked at that one that I particularly drew, drew your attention to uh, that, uh, that James gave us when he says to uh, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. If we could spend more time, he didn't, he didn't say, and let me just remind you this, just in case you missed it or just in case you want to hear it again, he didn't say confess his faults or her faults. <laughs> he didn't say confess anybody else's faults. Matter of fact, we said, you know, that if anything that we're saying is critical in any way, and we're saying it to somebody besides the person we're saying it about, then we've done just as much sin as they have. So why open our mouths in the first place? God says to confess your faults one to another. That's hard. We've got to recognize those things. And we looked at that and the importance of it to defeat Satan. We ought to be willing. We ought to have such a bond as one body and one unit that we're all able to say, look, I'm struggling in this area or I'm struggling in that area instead of worrying about the other person being critical of us or thinking of how unholy or unspiritual that we are, that we can join together and pray for that matter. Bind our prayers. That's what he said, praying one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So we looked at those things. If you didn't get it last week, you can go back and listen to that sermon on the website but we move on to another thing. Normally the next thing that we do in our worship service here is that thing called offerings. Offerings. All through Scripture. It's been a part of God's people coming together. You know, I, I love, I've, I've used it a number of times in illustrations and in different sermons. When we go back to, I just, you know, I said, I'd love to one time be a preacher that was in the position that Moses was. When the people were bringing in all of their offerings free, willingly, because they wanted to, to, to build the tabernacle. Brother Steve, the people were bringing in such that Moses had to say, stop, don't bring any more, please. We've got more than we can use, more than we need. The simple truth is, is that offerings are a part of worship. You know, so many times people can see the offering as just something that, uh, that has to be done, uh, one of those evils that has to be gotten over. Uh, we have some time back already covered 
the sermon in speaking on the finances of the church, uh, the difference in tithes and offerings and faith promise giving. So we're not going to go back and look at all those things. What I'm mainly wanting to realize today is that our giving is part of our worship. When we come together, it is something that we find that was part of the New Testament church in Scripture. And it's something that if we are giving as we ought to with the right spirit and it's coming from within, we're giving with joy. We're not giving grudgingly. The Bible doesn't want us to give grudgingly thinking, you know, that, uh, oh, I wish I didn't have to do that. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about giving hilariously. <laughs> it should just bring such great joy that we can, that God has blessed us so much and that we are able to do something in giving back to him and being good stewards of all that he has blessed us with because in the end, it all belongs to God. The problem is sometimes we think it's mine and God's an Indian giver. He's given it to me and now I've got to give it back to him. No, it's all God's. But we are stewards of what belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. And it's our we being good stewards. And we have a number of, of illustrations of that in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the Bible says in verse 1, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. You see, if God hasn't blessed you with anything, <laughs> he doesn't expect anything in return. You give as God has prospered you. If God met your needs, as God done for you, then it ought to be the natural desire of your heart as a child of God. And that's why, you know, it's something that when we do it, you know, it should be a, a something that we're doing with great joy in our hearts because and God has been so good to us. Just look at God's goodness. Look at God's greatness. Look at how God has blessed us. Look at how God has met this need and, and that need and all those other. Isn't it a blessing to be able to put really just a small portion of that back into the offering that his work can be carried on here on the earth? We looked at all those things with the tithes and the offerings and everything is to be used for. And you can go back, or if you want a copy of that one in print, let me know, and I'll be glad to pass it on to you. But the thing that we see here is that it is a part of our worship. It's a part of what the church does. Many churches have taken it away, and, and that's, that's their choice. They feel that somehow that it puts people under, under pressure. Well, I want us to recognize that, boy, this is a part of worship, just like our singing and our, and our praying. It was something that they did in, in the New Testament church. It was set up to do it that way. They did it right back through the Old Testament, and we ought to do it joyfully. And as we are giving to God, it ought to be reminding us of Him and His greatness and His goodness and all that He is. And what a blessing that it is to be able to give that back to the Lord. The Second Corinthians chapter 9. The Word of God says this, and I'll read just a, just a few of these verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Notice what he says in verses 6, 6 to 13. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, notice this, according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver, literally a hilarious giver there. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work, as it is written. He hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your own your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything, to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. 
was by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God. What is supposed to be our purpose in all that we're doing? Glorifying God. For your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and I'll just say this, I don't charge anything next, we glorify God. When we give graciously and we give hilariously and joyfully into his work, there is absolutely nothing more important that we can do with all that God has blessed us with than right here getting the gospel to others, that the gospel may be able to, to go out into our community and around the world. We glorify God. And it should be something that is such a pleasure, is such a blessing. Have you ever been in the position where you had no income, where that you had nothing coming in whatsoever. Simple truth is, is that we even look in the Scripture and we find that in God's eyes, it's not which one of you can write the biggest check or put the biggest wad of money in the offering plate. It's what comes from the heart. And, you know, again, everything that God does, He never, ever, ever, He makes it very clear. None of this is done to hurt anybody. The simple truth is the more God blesses us, the greater blessing that it is to give back to the others. Remember the illustration that I gave you about the man that was really struggling financially and God had given him a new job and he went in with his pastor and he sat down and, and he said, Pastor, really, really pray for me. You know, and they prayed and he you know, promised the Lord that he would, he would give 10% of everything that he had to the Lord. As his income grew and it grew and it grew, he finally came back and said, Pastor, you think we can do something about this, maybe lowering this a little bit? He said, sure. Let's just pray for God to decrease what he's blessing you with. <laughs> Simple truth is, is we give proportionally. We should be so happy, so, so glad to glorify God and to see God's work being carried on that we want to do everything we can. And there's these different ways that we can give, but it's something that, as with everything else with God, it must come from the heart. It must come from that which comes from within us. In the very next chapter there in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says in verses 15 to 18, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope. When your faith is increased, we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Much could be said here. I want us to realize, folks, we come together. It's not what we think should be done. It's what God has shown us should be done. We receive an offering because that's the Bible way. It's been God's way with his people. It's certainly part of the New Testament church, but it's just like everything else. It can become mechanical. It can become something that is done legalistically. You know, God appreciated the, uh, uh, the two mites from the widow lady much more than all that that the wealthy man was able to pile into the plate. It was given from the heart, from what she had. The simple truth is, is that's where it comes back to us. If our receiving of the offering is truly going to be a part of our worship where God is glorified as the Bible says that he should be, and it's all kinds of things there. We see the needs of people being met. We see time and again of the importance of, of the gospel being able to go out so that others can be saved. We've always said in everything that we do, we can't lose sight of the fact that's our greatest responsibility is to get the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to all those that don't have it. So that's just a part. There's something else that as we move on from offerings, just remember that Giving that honors God brings glory to him. That's only the giving that comes from the heart. And in the end, as we see here, it's all done for his glory, not for what you do, whether for you to feel good about it or for anybody else to feel good about it. It's only God that commendeth. It's between you and God. So we find that 
as part of our worship. The music, the singing is a time that God should just be lifted in our midst. That can only happen if we sing from our hearts. We can become either on the one hand all mechanical, that we're just singing those words, we're not thinking about them, we're not even really considering what we're doing. On the other hand, we can become so fleshly that we're not really, again, focusing upon God. We're just, man, we're in this thing because we enjoy it and we like it, and one's just as bad as the other. God's not glorified in that. Secondly, prayer. We can never pray too much. We can't overstate the importance. We talked about all that. That is the power of the church. That's where that genuinely things are going to begin to happen is in the prayer room on the knees. And yet, not just our church. I'm not saying it to be mean to you. The least attended meeting that we have here is the prayer meeting. And that's the way in most churches. And most churches aren't really seeing revival today either. And you know what? We can say we want it all we want, but without prayer, it will never happen. Never has. It's impossible for it to happen. But people think that's not really that important. It's vital. It's vital to any church. Our offerings you know, glorifying God, God meeting our needs and us doing all that we can for him from our hearts, everything, all of this. You know, that prayer, that music had to come from the heart. The prayer, it was the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much, wasn't it? We find here that it's them, not giving grudgingly, but those that, that give hilariously that are doing it for God's glory. That's the offerings that are going to be true worship. They're not just some mechanical thing that we go through. We find that there's a fourth thing that we often do in our times of worship. We could call it a number of things. I simply call it testimonies, personal witness, if you would, testimonies with one another. You know, many of the passages that we've already looked at declare the importance of praising God. If we're going to lift God in our midst, he deserves the praise. He deserves the honor. He deserves the glory for all those wonderful things that he's been doing. Everything that we've looked at concerning worship would underline the importance of our personally, from our very, very midst depth of our hearts, offering God thanksgiving and praise for all that he is and all that he's done through us, all through the word of God. We are encouraged to praise him. We're encouraged that he is worthy of our praise. We could go back right now and we could just about read through the entire book of Psalms if we wanted to. We find over and over and over again, we're told of the worthiness of his praise and how that we ought to be praising him. We even find there where it talks about, I know this is hard, sacrificing a praise. Sometimes you really may not feel like it. You really don't think it's important, but he deserves it. You're not doing it for you. You're not doing it so that even we know that somebody else is going to be blessed from it, and that's one of the ways that we, that we truly honor the Lord. We do it foremost to give him the praise and thanks that others may know. Look what God is doing in my life. He deserves thanks for this. We find that we have a clear biblical mandate for it in, in worship. Even in our, our text that we read for this morning, and we've read a number of times in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You know, if people don't really see thankfulness in your heart, <laughs> that you're happy, that you're grateful for being a Christian, then there's not going to be much there that they desire themselves. We can look right through the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament. We can find that the church is always praising God right into the book of Revelations. And even after the church is taken out of here and we're joined with him, the church is still praising God in his midst, in his very presence, never finishes. 
because he is worthy. We sing those words. Do we stop and think about what we're singing all the time? We're talking about praising him and how worthy that he is of our praise and, and giving him our thanksgiving. We sing it, we sing it, we sing it. Remember, our primary goal as a human being is to glorify God. We've already seen that God's principles that he's given to the church for their coming together when they're done in God's way, they will have a powerful impact upon those that are present. There's no question about that. But that's not why we're doing it. We're also specifically given a specific reason for assembling ourselves together that most certainly is related to this time that we come together to worship, just like we have here this morning. A familiar passage that I guess that... Uh, Preachers preach it and preachers read it a lot. And we just don't realize the importance of it. In Hebrews chapter 10, notice what the Word of God says beginning in verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, he says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Folks, we need to be in the presence of God. I've said time and again, and I'll say it again here this morning, though I look at you and you may look good in the flesh, there is absolutely no zero chance of you worshiping God, of you glorifying God, except through Jesus Christ, except through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is impossible in our humanness we looked at what that spirit and truth really meant. But the priority, first of all and foremost, is that a person must be saved, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, having an high priest, over the house of God, let us draw near, that high priest of Jesus Christ, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know, to provoke someone, that's a, that's a strong word. You know, if somebody's works isn't what they ought to be, if you see things there that you think, well, you know, they really shouldn't be doing that. They really shouldn't be going there. They really shouldn't be saying that. The Bible says, provoked each other to good works. Are you trying to encourage them are you trying to provoke them to good works? We're too busy pointing your finger and looking at all the bad things. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. They were already laying out a church even in Corinth today. But exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, our time of coming together here, part of the time that we come together, folks, is all about sharing with one another, about giving our praise, saying, wow, look what God did for me this week. Look how God met this need. Look what God did over here Encouraging one another, exhorting one another to love, exhorting one another to good works. He said, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. You see, some people might think, well, I can be a Christian without going to church. You can, but you can't be an honest one. You can't be an obedient one because you're going to have to disobey God's word. You say, okay, well, you know, 
I can handle one once a month is fine for me. Once a week. Well, that's between you and God. I'm glad to have you here once a year, once a month, once a week. I'm glad every time that you turn up. And I mean that from the depths of my heart. God says, not forsaking the assembling yourselves together. As we get into the days, folks, it ought to be one prayer, certainly from the depths of our heart today, as you know, we hear in the news these past couple of days of 20 little six and seven year old kids, all their lives being taken by a gunman. You know, I've heard even nobody claiming to be a Christian, just just worldly news people that don't know how to describe this except, you know, evil, something that's not human. Well, they're right. And guess what? That's where the world's going. And the world is going to get worse. That's exactly where it's going. Why is he telling us, for goodness sakes, don't forsake the times that you can come together? Because you need to encourage and strengthen one another. You need to be there for one another. Even, even so much more as you see the day approaching, the world is going to get more evil. The world is going to get worse. But we don't have to be afraid. We shouldn't fear that. We need to recognize it is Satan. It is the devil. We ought to recognize that that trumpet is going to sound, that Jesus Christ is going to return for us. That day is close. But the truth is, our coming together is something that God has pointed out to us. Yes, everything that we do is for his glory. But when we come to truly testify and praise him and give him the thanks and give him his rightful place, guess what? It's going to encourage and strengthen you as well. We find that exhorting one another, encouraging one another, your testimony is one of the important ways that you can exhort and encourage your brother. And you say, Pastor, I'm too nervous. If I tried to get up there and say something, I'd be shaking and my voice would be quivering and what I said wouldn't make sense anyway. That's all right. Maybe it's just for somebody to see. You know, we're not asking you to get up here and make some wonderful speech that will go down and maybe win you the Pulitzer Prize or something. Let people see that you're grateful that you're thankful. You don't have to have great flowery words. You just need to give him the praise and thanks. And yet, often, especially in the evening services when we ask for testimonies and whatnot, I'm just like, they say like, like, like pulling teeth or pulling nails. People are nervous, afraid, and yet somebody gets going and then when somebody else will get going and somebody, you know, it's part of why we come together. It's not just most of the time, probably the least to hear me preach, <laughs> but to hear one another praise and give thanks. That's part of our worship. That's what our testimony time is about. You know, I can, I can, I can promise you this. If God's done something good for you, you want to give him praise and thanks, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> you just let me know. <laughs> it does get a little embarrassing when the preacher's going to be, anybody got a testimony? You sure anybody's got a testimony? Has anybody got a testimony and nobody's? Let me know. You ought to be desirous. Man, Look what God did for me this week. I want to share, I want everybody to know what God is doing for me. It's part of it. Then we find that there is one other part that we normally have in our worship, and that's the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. We'll be looking at the ministry of the Word specifically and in more detail later, but I just want you to simply recognize now we have a biblical mandate for the preaching and teaching of God's Word, not only as a part of our worship, but as a primary and essential part of our worship. Many places would speak of maybe just the worship team is going to come and lead us in worship at this time. Then we're going to have to put up with the preacher preaching for the next maybe 15 or 20 minutes, who knows. They don't see that as part of worship. But I'm saying, folks, that's part of the way that God is glorified. He's not just glorified because somebody wants to get up 
and tell a story. He is glorified when by the power of the Holy Spirit, His Word is preached and proclaimed under His power. That's why it's so important. That's why most people never even begin to comprehend. You know, the hard part for me after doing it all, my, the hard part for me is not talking. <laughs> it's not talking to you. I, you know, I'm, you know, honest profession is good for the, the soul, the heart, and everything else probably. <laughs> the hard part about preaching is all the prayer and preparation ahead of time. What does God want for you today? What does God want to give to you? And then once you find it, you know, almost, almost, you know, all these subjects, it's amazing. How could we spend almost three years now on the simple thought of contending for the faith? How could we spend almost a year on the church of the Lord Jesus? Let me tell you something. We could have spent a whole lot more time. We're not quite through yet, but we're getting there. We could have spent a whole lot more time. Reality is, is that the preaching and teaching of God's Word has lost center stage in much of the worship of our day. That is not God's desire. You see, it's God's Word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Listen, folks, I don't care who you are here today. If you don't know with absolute 100% certainty that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if there's not been a time in your life when you have humbled yourself and you sought forgiveness for the God that you're accountable to, for your Creator that placed you here, and if you haven't approached Him and asked that forgiveness based solely upon that one Jesus Christ that lived the life that you couldn't live, that died the death upon that cross, that shed His blood as the atonement for your sin, that rose the third day, which proves to us unquestioningly that he did conquer death. His sacrifice was sufficient, and he lives today for you and I as our intercessor to God Almighty. You know, there's nothing we come together as a That's why Jesus came to the earth, to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. That's why when he was leaving, he left us, the church, his work to do. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us and accomplish that work through us because we could never do it in the flesh. That's why we're here today. And if you're here, if you're lost, if you're not a child of God, more than anything else, that's more important to us. It's more important than how much time we spend here. It's more important than the dinner that we've got waiting for us afterwards. You're the most important thing to God. That's why he died upon the cross for you. His word. When we begin to lose the centrality, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If we don't preach the truth, if we don't preach the gospel, if we don't give people the truth of God's Word, nothing else is going to save them. There's nothing else that they can come to believe. God is honored. He's glorified when His Word is preached because of absolute necessity. He is the focus of the Word of God. Folks, <laughs> We don't need to just teach and preach about Jesus. We need to teach and preach Jesus. People need to see him. He's the reality of all that we do. He is the word, that word that became life, came to dwell amongst us. His word will magnify and glorify him in our midst It'll also fulfill some of those other principles that was laid out for us in 1 Corinthians 14 that we've already looked at. Though we clearly have a, a biblical basis for all of the elements that we've looked at, there is no stronger mandate than for the centrality of the Word of God when we come together. God forgive. I would ever apologize for preaching his truth, for preaching the word, for it being the focus of our services when we come together. It's God's word that's going to change us. We find that in our text for today in Acts chapter 2, he said there in verse 41 and 42, they that gladly received what? His word. They that gladly received his word, 
were baptized. And the same day they were added to them about 3,000 souls. Why were that 3,000 saved? Because they received his word. And those that received the word, what did they do? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the teachings. It's a, a word that scares people today. But folks, the doctrine is important. God's doctrines, God's teachings of his word. Those that received the word were added. They were added by the word, and then they continued in the word. We find that not long after, as the church began to, to be blessed so much, we've already looked at this passage in Acts chapter 6, when that one of those officers of the church called the deacons were added to the church and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitudes of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. We find that the ministry of the Word was so important in the church. It was so important that these other men that were spiritually strong were called out from amongst the congregation in order to meet many of these needs so that the prayer and the preaching of the Word did not suffer in any way. It's not that the other things aren't important. It's just that they aren't so important that it should ever take the place of the preaching and teaching of God's Word. All throughout the New Testament, we've already studied how that the elders, the pastors, they were appointed to every church. Why? For the ministry of God's Word, that the people might be built up, You'll not find a New Testament church that doesn't have proper church leadership. You'll not find a New Testament church, not truly a New Testament church, where that leadership has anything other than an absolute emphasis upon the preaching and teaching of God's Word. That's what will make us stronger. That's what will build us up. That's what will make us a strong church that's what will glorify God because it's only as we are more and more in Christ and as we're more and more like him that we can truly glorify him as his word changes us. That's one of the ways that we can glorify him the most by seeing that God is doing a work in our lives. We're being changed by his words. One point that may be of interest in that this aspect of worship which is, it was of such importance in the earlier churches. Folks, you think I preach long sometimes? I mean, you, I mean, two or three hours was nothing to them. They wanted the Word of God. The Word of God was so central in everything that they were doing. Our lives have gotten so busy that even in a church like ours where we put great emphasis upon it, it's really a minimal amount of time what God's people of bygone years, and yet we're the ones that are getting to those end times as you see the day approaching. We should be spending more time together, if anything. We ought to be building each other up even more through the preaching of the Word of God in our times of worship. That God is glorified. The Christian is edified, and the lost is evangelized. Isn't that what we're here for? that he can be glorified, that you can be edified as his children, and that the lost can be saved and won into the kingdom. I give you this final verse, verses in closing. Directly in the context, if you'd like to turn to 2 Timothy, directly in the context of order in the New Testament church, Paul writes this to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. 
He says to Timothy, Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. He said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Young Timothy, as he's sending him out, he's giving him all the order of the church. He's saying, Timothy, don't you ever quit preaching the book. Don't you ever quit preaching the truth. Stand on it. Oh, there's going to be a time when people will not want to listen. Do you know, today, many churches have simply called off a lot of their services because there's not enough people that want to be there to take an interest to make it worthwhile, they think. So they just quit having the services. On the other hand, we do live busy lives, don't we? It's very, very easy. And you know, hey, I have full understanding. I know what a busy life is. It really can. And yes, sometimes it may take a little sacrifice. I'm just saying, folks, God's worth it. He's worth more than whatever else that you're sacrificing it for. He's worth it more. Us being together and him being glorified is worth more. That person sitting beside you and across from you there this morning, that they might be edified and built up in the Lord, is worth more. That lost person that doesn't know Jesus Christ, to come to faith in him, is worth everything. There's nothing, nothing that you have to do that's more important than that. We're talking about a New Testament church. We're talking about seeing what happened in the book of Acts. We're talking about people being saved, continuing in the Word of God. We find that worship is an important part of what we do as a church. There's other things that we'll look at. Why is worship so important? Well, a lot of reasons. Again, first and foremost, because, folks, God's got to be glorified. If we don't glorify him, there's no point in coming together and calling ourselves his church. He deserves the worship. He really does. But it ends up serving a lot more purposes, too. Because even though you're responsible to read and study your Bibles for yourself, we can't have looked at all that we've looked at and not understand the importance of the teaching and the nurturing and the preaching that takes place in, house, in the house of God, that we can grow together, that responsibility that God places. That's why that he gives you spiritual leaders. That's why that he left his Holy Spirit and his word for you. But yet we find that it's vitally important. And we'll look at some of the other things, but for many, it's the only time that we have together. We're going to look at a lot of other things that the church should be doing. But for a lot, it's the only time. We've got to make the most of it. And the simple truth is that because of the fact that we're not out there doing all that we can to get the lost in here, 3,000 people were saved that day. But the people had to hear. They had to hear the word. That was the only way. When we come together and preach, you know. You know, I've said time and time, my great desire is that I can encourage you, that I can edify you, that I can build you up, that I can give you things in the word that will challenge you not to know it all, 
But if it'll challenge you to get back to the Word and look at that and say, wow, what did that mean? And what did that mean? And that's what it does. It, it builds us up in God's Word, but it should drive us to more of God's Word. But God forbid that I'd ever get up and preach and not recognize that Jesus Christ, he's the focus of it all. He's the person of it all. And if there's anybody here that's lost, may we never preach the truth around here without sharing Jesus with you and you knowing. We might do a whole lot of things and get ourselves all busy as a church but there's nothing more important to us than you this morning that you might come to know the same Jesus that we know. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, worship conjures up a lot of many different ideas and thinking in people's heads. And Lord, there's all kinds of styles all around the world, but Lord, as we've looked into your word, we don't claim to have the only way that people can come together and biblically worship you. We don't think that somehow we've got it up on others, but we do know that there are biblical guidelines that we must stay within. And Lord, we said in the beginning, we don't want to just go down a road and say, well, if God didn't say it was wrong, then it's okay. God, we'd rather be regulated by your word. We'd rather what our worship consists of be that which you have dictated to us from your word. Father, I pray you'd help us because, boy, it's so easy whether it's the preaching and the teaching, whether it's the whatever capacity, the singing, the praying, the offerings, the testimonies, these things that make up our times of coming together, they can become just mechanical things. They can become just religious things that lose their meaning. We can find ourselves sitting there in our minds wondering here and thinking about this and thinking about that instead of really focusing upon you and what you're wanting to say to us and what you're wanting to do in us. Father, I pray. I pray that you would do that work that is only possible by you. I pray, Lord, if there be one in our midst this morning that is lost without Jesus Christ, help them to see their lost condition and help them to see the Jesus that will save them if they'll come today. Lord, for every Christian here, Lord, we do live in tough days. It's hard to imagine that a human being could be filled with so much evil that he would be able to, Lord, take and just take the life of six- and seven-year-old children that, Lord, are as innocent as innocent can come. Father, we find that that's the day we live in, and it seems to get worse because, well, surely some have said that even Hitler was no worse than that. That's the days we live in. Help us, Lord. Help us to be strong. Help us to be what you'd have us to be. May you truly be glorified and honored, seen in everything that we do, or that those around us, just as we saw in the early church, or we'd love to see the thousands come and be saved. The Lord will do what we need to do even to see the one saved. May you do that through us. Work in the hearts here this morning. Speak that which only you can speak. Help us to respond in whatever way we need, and we give you the thanks for it in Christ's name. Amen.